going on? I am fired up this morning. This is the podcast while driving. The things that interest me. I'm driving down the road on I-85, heading north in the rain, making my way up to Greensboro, home of the ACC and home of the Grasshoppers. Going to make my way over to Raleigh tonight, spend a couple of days in the Triangle area before heading back down towards the end of the week. It's raining. It's coming down pretty good this morning, but I'm pretty fired up. I am fired up because I just saw an armadillo. And let me tell you something. I hate armadillos. Armadillos are a symbol of everything that's wrong with today's society. And that's what we're going to be talking about today on the things that interest me. So here's a little history of the armadillo. They are ancient creatures. Millions and millions of years ago, they evolved in what is now modern-day South America. Back then, they were able to grow to pretty tremendous size. Uh, picture like a large, large uh, turtle, tortoise kind of thing. Um, you know, three, four feet in diameter, weighing upwards of like 150, 200 pounds. And they absolutely dominated the landscape of South America. They had no uh, real predator uh, and they forage for food. Armadillos don't have fat reserves so they have to constantly eat, constantly foraging, and they had unlimited amount of grub with no predators attacking them in South America. It wasn't until uh, North America and South America joined the Panama Land Bridge, essentially, where big cats migrated down into South America and pretty much devastated the population. It's the first time in history where predators were able to get the armadillo and beat it down. But this will be a pretty reoccurring theme here in the history of the armadillo. Even though they had a noose around their neck, they were able to wriggle free and uh, adapt. Some smaller versions, some smaller species of armadillo able to survive this uh, attack from the big cats. They started to make their way up into, into Central America and, and pretty much settled around the uh, Rio Grande area there that separates United States from modern-day United States to modern-day Mexico. Until about the 1850s, they were pretty much beat down into, uh, in, into a small area. The uh, ancient Mayans uh, had some tales about the armadillo. They, uh, the armadillo was uh, uh, rumored to be created by the sun god, the ancient Mayan sun god. won't even try to pronounce his name, Hamachakinen or something like that and he rumored to create the armadillo to teach humility to the little minor gods that ruled over Maya. I guess, I don't know, that's what they say. The, uh, the Spanish, of course, named the armadillo, uh, what we say armadillo, it means little rat bastard or something like that. The Aztecs, they, they encountered the armadillo, they called it a, uh, a merger between turtle and rabbit. And that was what their name was, was Turtle Rabbit, whatever the Aztec name was. And uh, Rudyard Kipling, 
the, the famous writer, Rudyard, Rudyard, whatever his name is, he called the, uh, the armadillo a, uh, an alliance between turtles and hedgehogs. Turtles and hedgehogs. So the fierceness of a hedgehog and the uh, veracity and the appetite of a hedgehog with the armor of a turtle. Vicious, vile little creatures. Disease-carrying, I'm sure. They're like possums with armor. That's what I would equate them more to. We don't really have hedgehogs in South Carolina. We have possums, though, and raccoons. And that's really what they are. They're, they're possums and raccoons with armor plating. Kind of like how we look at squirrels, and we don't really care about squirrels. We just look over them because they have a big bushy tail and they're cute, when really they're just big rats, disease-carrying rats that cause messes and wreak havoc and chew on wires. But for some reason we overlook the squirrel and for some reason we overlook the armadillo. I guess it's the curiosity of the animal. We're not used to seeing them here in South Carolina. But they have made their way here. They, they flourished around Mexico and Texas for a long time. And then they made their way into the bayous of Louisiana. Eventually crossing the Mississippi River. I guess we we are probably to blame for their crossing of the Mississippi. To my knowledge, armadillos can't swim. They had to have crossed some sort of a bridge, a span across the Mississippi. No doubt we gave them access to this span. That was our first mistake as Americans, giving them free access to just cross over the Mississippi River into the state of Mississippi. Eventually, they've worked their way into Alabama, North Florida, Georgia. They've been in Georgia for years. can't tell you how many times I've been in Georgia, and I've seen many a, many a dead armadillo on the road. I think cars are our only defense for the spread of the armadillo. We seem to be pretty good at hitting them with cars, but that's about all. They've made their way into South Carolina. You see them quite a bit in the upstate. You see them all the way over to Columbia. They've now crossed the Wateree River into Sumter County. You're starting to see them in Sumter and Lee, Clarendon. It won't be too long before they make their way to Myrtle Beach. Maybe that's their ultimate goal here. Maybe they're just little Ohioans of Central America. All they really want to do is eat all they can, cause problems, be a nuisance, and then retire in Myrtle Beach. Maybe that's where they're headed. But we had a chance. We had a chance hundreds of years ago to put them down. The Mayans had their chances. The Aztecs had their chances thousands of years ago. They let it go to waste. And now here they are today. And we just let them flourish. I don't understand it. Every time man has a chance to put a noose around the neck of a nuisance. Maybe noose and nuisance come from the same root word. I don't know. But every time we have a chance to put a species down, show them who's boss, we just let them go. And we let them wreak havoc. Because maybe it's just on the fringes of society. It's just out on the fringe. It's not really bothering me. Who cares if it's bothering my neighbor? When it bothers me, maybe I'll take a stand. You know, first they came for my neighbor and I did nothing. But then they came for me and there was nobody left to hear me cry. 
the same thing we do, we're doing the same thing with wolves. You know, about a hundred years ago, wolves were, were almost done. When we had them beat back, we had them stomped out. You know, wolves, wolves kill livestock, they kill our cattle. They, uh, for thousands of years, wolves were the, were the dominant species in North America. You know, the Indians, the natives, they were in constant battle with wolves. And they did their part. They beat the wolves down. And then American settlers from the south heading west, they did their part too. Beat back the wolves, beat back the coyotes. And then what do we do today? We're just, we're just giving the wolves land. We give them land. They're killing all the deer. They're killing all the cattle. They're killing all the other animals. They've dominated the landscape, and now they're coming after our children. What are we doing? Fortunately, I think we have a president in place right now who's willing to do what it takes. He's willing to put a wall up across the border between Texas and Mexico, all the way across to California and Mexico. He's willing to do what it takes to keep these nasty, vile, child-eating armadillos out of our country. So let's all take a minute and thank our president for doing his part to fight back these armadillos. That kind of reminds me of something that happened this weekend. Another one of these, what are we doing type things. Uh, this past Saturday, I attended the Pickens Azalea Festival. You're probably not familiar with the Pickens Azalea Festival, but you've probably already been to one, something just like it. Uh, one of these festivals centered in the old downtown of a city or a town or a community or a you know, large metropolis where they, they have it once a year. They allow people to buy booth space. They shut down city streets. Uh, you know, it's flooded with food vendors and maybe some little carnival rides and maybe a petting zoo. Uh, lots of people selling their their goods. Um, you know, in the Pickens Fest, uh, Azalea Festival, for instance, you know, we were walking through and you see a a, a guy peddling his carved wooden carvings. Uh, you'd see the Knights of Columbus selling, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers for charity. Uh, the fire department was there with the fire truck, you know, letting kids touch it and play with it, I guess. Uh, the fire truck, um, they're letting them play with the fire truck. And, uh, you know, just things like that going on. There's people selling necklaces and clothes and, um, the local distillery was there, um, selling their wares. Their, not just their their uh, their alcohol, but but their little byproducts. They make jams and jellies and candles and things like that. So, you know, probably about 400 tents, I'd say, maybe 300 tents, just spread out over you know four city blocks. And here's my question: What are we doing? Why are we shutting down entire cities to allow all these cheap vendors, 
just take over a city for a day? I mean, there's a place for this called a flea market. There's flea markets all across the country. We put them out on the bad side of town. We give them rickety wooden, you know, awnings and coverings and stuff. To They can go and sell their socks. They can go and sell their counterfeit goods. We just, we have a designated space for the flea market, the carny types. They just, they can go and spend their Saturdays selling their goods for nothing, for cheap. Half of it's probably stolen or they're knockoff. We let them go. We got their zone. We know we can control it, though. Hey, if you're going to sell that garbage, take it to the flea market. That's where you do it. You do it at the flea market. We even name it something that's just extremely derogatory, and they don't care. They still go there to the flea market where you go and get fleas when you buy stuff. But what do we do? Instead of just forcing them into their little zone and keeping them there, we just open up the gates. Let them shut down a whole city for a day or a weekend or a week. You know, in Pickens, it's the Azalea Festival. There's one this weekend coming up in the little community of Central. They have the Railroad Festival. Uh, Back home in Sumter, we had the uh, Iris Festival. There's the the Pecan Festival in in Florence. The Peanut Festival in in, uh, Bishopville. The Chitlin Strut of Sally. You get the idea here. Uh, you know, you kind of center it around. You theme it on something your city might be famous for or known for. Charleston has the Spoleto Festival. Uh, Clemson has their version of the Spoleto Festival. They call it the Spatuno Festival. Uh, making fun of those freaks and hippies down there in Charleston. But all it is, it's a flea market that you invite onto your city streets. What are we doing? These streets were built for transportation and commerce, for businesses that pay taxes, and for people who pay taxes. And then for a weekend, we just give a hall pass to whatever bum wants to drive drive up from uh, Allendale selling socks, sock singles, you know, 25 cents a sock. You don't even have to buy two, you don't have to, you can buy one. Oh, it just, it boggles my mind. What are we doing? What are we doing? And then you'll have a Mr. and Mrs. Azalea Festival. Are you serious? It attracts corny atmosphere, the, the carnies showing up with their rides and their funnel cakes and popcorn and these death traps. I mean, they leave their their carnival rides or on wheels so they can wheel into your town, kill your kids, probably rape and pillage. I know they're passing counterfeit bills the whole time they're there. Every time the carnival came to town, we'd always get counterfeit bills back at the laundry. I mean, it was ridiculous. We let them come. We let them show up. We give them money. Oh, yeah, here, take our money. Kill our kids. Pack up. Get back on the road. Go to the next town and kill them. What are we doing? I am fired up. I really am fired up. Uh, You know, other than the the weirdness of the weekend and seeing these damn armadillos all over the place. Uh, 
pretty good weekend for sports for the most part. Clemson swept Wake Forest in baseball, exerting our dominance over the Demon Deacons. I'm actually headed towards that area, that neck of the woods, heading up towards Greensboro, not too far from Winston-Salem. Uh, what else? What else? Schalke had an unfortunate draw with Cologne. That's probably why I'm fired up. We shouldn't have tied. We, we were up 2-0. Gave it away. I don't know what we're thinking. What, what are we doing? Gave it up. If we won, we pretty much would have sealed up a Champions League spot. But we gave it away. Earlier in the week, we lost 1-0 to Frankfurt in the semifinals of the, of the DFB Pokal, which is kind of like the national tournament. It's like, the, it's like an open tournament, kind of like a U.S. Open is for golf or the British Open is for golf. Anybody can actually participate and join. You know, the weaklings with no credentials, they join up back in August when, with the other weaklings. And after all the weaklings fight it out and beat it out, they're able to start ringing, going up the ladder a little bit until they meet up with some of the, the real teams. And then, of course, the real teams just take over and dominate towards the end. But... You know, that's coming to a close here. Byron, Byron's in the final. They beat uh, uh, whoever it is they beat. They won 6 nothing, I think it was. And uh, Schalke had a chance. Had it at home. Lost to Frankfurt, won nothing. I didn't get to watch it, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I've seen a, some replays. and it wasn't, it wasn't too pretty. And then we, we took that into the weekend. And we're up 2-0, looking great. And I think we just we lost sight of the goals there at the end. We lost. We end up tying two-two. Definitely feels like a loss. So two out of the last three weeks, we played the bottom team, the team at the bottom of the Bundesliga. Uh, three weeks ago, it was Hamburg. The reason they're not at the bottom anymore is because we gave them a game. They we let them beat us three to two. And then this week, the team that was now at the bottom of the Bundesliga, Cologne, they we let them tie us two to two. So sandwich that, you know, around a, a really nice win against Dortmund last week in the River Derby. And, uh, you know, it's it's just a bit sour here. we we got a little bit of work to do. we got Borussia Mönchengladbach this weekend. They're a pretty good team. They're not great. They're not bad. They, got really, they don't have anything to play for, though. They're not fighting for Europe spot. They're not fighting to stay in the Bundesliga. So hopefully we got them at the right time where they don't care. It's always better to play a team that doesn't care. So maybe we'll get it done this weekend. I'm looking forward to that. That takes place on Saturday. Don't know if I'll get to watch it, though. It's on Univision Deportes, you know, that channel that everybody loves to watch German soccer on, uh, Univision Deportes. So uh, that's probably what I got going on this weekend. I'm sure I'll wind up at the damn Central Railroad Festival with these carnies again. Looking for some nice weather this weekend. Supposed to be in the 70s, mid to high 70s all weekend long. That's going to be nice, especially considering I'm in the middle of a flood right now. Uh, it has rained and rained and rained for, for a couple of days now. Ready to get out of the rain, ready to get off the road, and ready to bring you another podcast while driving sometime, maybe later this week. I don't know. i got a long drives ahead of me this week, so maybe check back in towards the end of the week, bring you another episode. Feel free to uh, comment. Again, on the Anchor app, you can submit a voice comment. So if you wanted to ask me questions, I can play it on air, answer your questions for you. Uh, don't forget to like it, subscribe to it, 
you can catch this podcast on the Anchor app. You can catch it on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts. And, uh, you know, I've got a lot of feedback. We had over 22 listeners last week on last week's episode, including a favorite. Somebody favorited the podcast. And here's a kicker. I have no idea who these people are. Uh, shout out to them and their podcast that they have. I don't I don't remember the name top of my head. It's two kids, I guess. They have liked and favorited my podcast. So shout out to you guys. You know who you are. Uh, very surprising. So podcast is picking up steam. It's made its way out of uh, the initial uh, blast of text message that reached like nine people. And it has now made its way across the interwebs to parts unknown. So it's building a little steam. It's nice to see. Keep it up, everybody. Tell a friend. I'm going to keep on doing this podcast until I find a co-host, and then I'll uh, do a co- be a co. You know, I'll have a co-host of this podcast. I probably won't drive at that point. I'll get off the road to podcast. Get a little bit more professional. So again, apologize for the road noise today. You hear a little bit of rain. You want to hear what it sounds like whenever I roll my window down? Whoa, yeah, that's rain and wind and road noise. All right, window's going back up. So thanks again. Appreciate it. See you guys later in the week.